0: When you first started doing your life coaching, did you do it like in person or who was like your first clients and and things like that? It was
1: always over the, oh well, I mean when I was in real estate I was doing it with my friends that I worked with Mm. and some of my employees I had. I remember it was a married couple that worked for me and they were having problems and so they came and sat in my office and we talked about a bunch of things and and, uh, so I was just doing it as to help people out. But when I, after I'd written my book and started then yeah, I was doing everything over the phone. Because with a uh, with a Skype connection and a and a phone number, you can literally work from anywhere. I could be, I even did phone sessions from the beach a couple times. But obviously, it's windy. Sometimes your cell service would be a little spotty, and you need a real good um, Skype signal, full power signal, to be able to reach. You know, in other words, to under t- understand what the other guy is saying. So that was those are kind of difficult. I end up you know sitting in my car <laughs> at the beach. Talking and doing some phone sessions, but it was always over the phone because it's like if the thing, if you're doing like in person, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, a lot of times it's like you can't get people to leave. Sometimes it's even hard to get people off the phone because I I schedule people back to back and it's hard to get people off the phone because they want to keep asking questions or they just, you know, want to talk to me because they've always wanted to talk to me or whatever. Right. But. You know, I, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a psychologist, I have zero desire to do anything like that. I'm strictly a coach that focuses on outcomes. People come, in, come to me like, this is my outcome, this is what I want to get. And my job is to help them come up with a plan and a strategy to make that happen. And then did you start doing YouTube videos afterwards, or what was the purpose <clears throat> of the, the Well, I started, I, you know, I went into detail in, uh, where is it, my fir- second book... I went into detail in my second book, Mastering Yourself, and went through that that whole process of how I got into it. It's Because like, to me, I wrote the book, and I, at the time I was thinking, hey, I'll do public speaking maybe, and do events, and I'll have my books, I'll have products to sell, and then consulting, doing coaching, and... So that was my thinking originally, and then I started advertising, like putting full-page ads, and I think it was like Men's Fitness was one of the ones I was I was advertising in. I think we did one at Penthouse. You figure, hey, a guy's looking at Penthouse Magazine or Playboy, those. It's probably because he doesn't have a lot of women in his life. And this was before like internet porn just took off and is as pervasive as it yeah. is today. But yeah. So I, I was running ads, and I might spend ten grand on an ad, and bring back five or six grand in, in revenue. So it wasn't mm-hmm. as, you know, or a television doing like an infomercial type thing because that worked real well in real estate. But when you're selling a $300,000 house and you're doing the loan and the real estate commission, you can bring in twenty, twenty-two thousand dollars 22000 and the commission's between the two. And so if you're spending fifty grand a month for television advertising, you know, infomercials and 30-second spots in the news and stuff like that, you only need like two, three transactions like that every month and you completely cover you're not. But if you're selling a $30 book, you got to sell thousands of books in order to recoup enough money and coaching and everything else. And it just wasn't profitable. And so then I, you know, I started experimenting with Google pay-per-click and uh, that was kind of in its infancy at the time. And then I remember when I was, I was working at this sports bar for about 10 months to sup to give myself some extra money because I was making enough I was profitable I was only bringing in like two or three grand a month I think at the time and it wasn't like I go out and live extravagantly on <clears throat> wasn't like I go out and live extravagantly on that that type of money so I need you know when you do a pay per click campaign I mean you can blow hundreds or thousands of dollars literally in seconds and clicks so I was trying to get traffic to the website and see Will people buy the book? Do they sign up for the email list? And being able to test the site. So I was working like three days a week, 10 and bar, or not 10 and bar, or waiting tables only. And um, I might bring home 100, 150 bucks. And then the next day I, I had a little office, one of those little office suites. You spend like 250, 300 bucks for a little 10 by 10 office. So I'd make my videos in there and do my coaching. And I'd work with my web developer and I'd set up a campaign and send a bunch of traffic and then see what happens. So I might work an eight hour shift and go home with 150 bucks. And I was like 39 years old at the time. And, uh, and then blow it in a matter of minutes. So the next day doing a pay-per-click campaign just to, right. to test the website, to test the conversion rate and figure out the right way to market it. And then, you know, things were kind of dragging on. I wasn't really, it's like, I, I, every time I spent money, I was, I was still losing money. I spent a thousand dollars on my, get back five six hundred bucks so it was every time i advertised it was i was still losing money and then so there were other things i wanted to talk about and i was thinking you know the years are rolling by at this point so now i'm 40 my book was finished in january february of 2006 now it's four years and i'm waiting tables and i was hating life i did not want to be there and so it's like when you're you're backed up against the wall like that, and you don't have tens of thousands of dollars on a monthly basis at your disposal, like I did when I was in real estate. It it forces you to be frugal. It forces you to think outside the box. And then so, I started, you know, because I didn't like the idea of writing e- and like an email newsletter. I started doing that, and then um, sending those out. And then I started. I I converted my website to a WordPress website, and I started writing articles. Mm. And I had the Google Analytics code embedded on my website. And so I just started writing about other things like, you know, how to get any job you want. I, I wrote an article about that, about negotiating. I wrote some articles on health and some other things. And, uh, you know, I started answering the questions that people were sending in through email. And uh, so at the time, I was just doing it all written. And then um, about 2010, I remember I got myself my, my first HD camera. And I had that background, the Corey Wayne, the CW background, that original, the OG, back, yeah, the original background in the day. And I started um, just figuring, hey, I'll, I had all that equipment for like a year. And I was because my background in television, uh, you know, we were doing infomercials and commercials. So I was like, what am I going to talk about? What am I going to say in a video? Well, what's going to add value? I Was trying to figure all that stuff. I was before. Um, you know, podcasts and all that stuff. I think in 2010 was probably when Joe Rogan st- actually started doing his podcast. And he was just fucking around with some friends of his. Like, hey, i was just get together with my buddies and we'll make a podcast for the hell of it, just for fun. Right. And it grew into what it is. And um, so I-, I was experimenting with, you know, writing articles. And I started doing like three or four a week. And then over the course of a couple of months as I was doing that, and then I was doing like, you know, one a day, like at least five days a week. And so I would take the email and I would put my comments in. You know, I would type them in. I put them in bold, just like you guys see on the website today. And and then I figured, you know what? I'm gonna as a value add because I know some people are auditory. I'll do these videos. I never because at the time it's like if you're gonna do well on YouTube, the only thing you saw was like I don't know if you ever saw that famous video where like the little boys in the back seat and his little brother bites his finger and he's like, "Oh, Joey bit my finger" or something like that. And it got millions and millions of views. I just figured it was of. Viral video—that's all you can really do with YouTube—and uh, so I started doing these videos and and just going through the emails and then just adding the video embed code to the top of my article, just to go along and add value for people that. And so what people were doing is they would listen to the, me talk as they were kind of reading the article, and you know when I was I blogged for about a year just doing that, and I just kept seeing my traffic go up and i started getting more and more people booking phone sessions my book sales started going up my email list started growing and people were going oh yeah i found you on google oh yeah i found you on google every time i talked to somebody on the phone because i would always ask them how'd you hear about me right and then probably maybe four or five months after i started doing youtube videos it seemed like every time i talked to me how'd you find out about oh i found you on youtube and my videos back then were getting like fifty, a hundred views. It was like nothing, and I got people in the comments going, "You suck! Nobody's watching these. Why are you wasting your time doing them?" And, and I, I just kept doing them because I was, I was getting business off of it. And then I remember, it got to the point where almost a hundred percent of the people I was talking to were all came from YouTube videos. And I thought, well, I can make a video quicker than I can write an article. Because if I, when I take an email and pick out the images and write the article and publish it, that's like a four or five hour process. So I can make a video. It takes me about a half hour to to find an email out of the, all the ones I get that I like and come up with a title and come up with a description and everything. And then filming and editing is, is pretty quick. Cause, and um, so I could bang out uh, a video like an hour, hour and 20 minutes from like start to finish to where it's published. And then I can walk away and then Jennifer can pick it up from there and so I stopped blogging for that would have been 20 really probably a year and a half two years that's why people are on the email this will say hey I got you know these links but there's no article there's no email to go along with this video that you got and so that was about a, a two-year period I didn't do any blogging until I hired Jennifer and then she started doing those again because people really like that they like to be able to look at the email and my comments in it while they're watching the video or, or listening to the video, so um, what? That's basically how it evolved. And I had a period about six months where I remember I was doing like I think it was f- six videos a day, four days a week. So it was like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I was just you know I would get a question from somebody and I would answer it in a video. And when I did that, I really saw a dramatic increase in the subscribers and you know. Book sales increased, and I started getting more coaching. And um, and then I cut it back down. I think I started doing Monday, Wednesday, and Friday when I got a sizable following, and it just kept kept growing. And then I mon- turned on the monetization, and I think when I turned on monetization, um, at least back then, I think it quadrupled the amount of subscribers I was getting, literally from one day to the next. You can see it just goes, it, it's just a spike in my subscribers. Deesh. And then... Um, I don't know, a year later I got a a partner manager, they assigned me a partner manager and they said, Hey, you should do thumbnails for all your videos. I did that. That increased the subscribers by fifty percent. And then plus they verified me. Um and so that made it made a big difference. So it was just turning on the ads and then having you know the basic thumbnails that I still have to this day, you know, the gray thumbnail with my, my picture on it. And uh Are you ever just, thinking of changing that? It works. But everybody knows that is the it's video you. newsletter because yeah. when I do other thumbnails, the, the video won't get as – they all go, oh, it's one of those other videos. Yeah. You know?
0: <laughs> You're, I, I'm the same way. It's like, I, I love the OG videos. Like, yeah. It's classic.
1: So it's, that's, that was one thing I, I learned a hard lesson early on. It's like when you have something that really works in business and then you go and change it hmm. and then you see a negative impact in your income or your revenue – a lot of business owners get caught up in their ego and are like, "No, no, no we're going to figure out a way to make this new thing work." Or what's and then you don't change. Right. And so that happened to me in real estate, where I'd be stubborn at something I had changed our advertising to wasn't working, and you know, me being the mindset I didn't make a mistake, I can, I can do, I can turn this around, or I can change, you know, keep changing things. And so that that mistake alone cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars over the course, uh, you know, over the next year or so and uh and so you you learn expensive lessons and so that formula with those thumbnails everybody knows those they know what that video is going to represent that's why I don't really I don't I don't change those if I do any other kind of video it would have a negative effect mm. on the amount of views that that video would get
0: and when you first started um you said that it was kind of a struggle did you know that you were going to make money out of this or were you doing it cuz you're super passionate about it or
1: i figured you know, hey, I, I was making like half a million a year when I got out of real estate. I was like six months a year. I'm a pretty smart, dude. I'm successful. I got all this track record of success. I've done well financially. Six months a year, I'll be right back to where I was. Maybe two years tops. <laughs> Four years later, I'm sleeping on my dad's couch, <laughs> waiting tables at a sports bar. And uh, it's like when you get, you know, you get into that that kind of a situation. It, if I was forced to be frugal, mm. and that was a good thing because it, it finally allowed me to let go of the way I used to advertise and market. Which it was changing because of the internet, and plus, you know, trying to sell uh, expense, you know, three hundred thousand dollars house versus a thirty dollars book, you only have to sell a few houses to recoup your ad dollars. Mm. But if you are selling books, you got to sell thousands of them t- just to recoup the cost for, you know, for a simple ad campaign. You know, I mean, you can do the math. If you're blowing ten grand a month, you know, a $30 book, and that's that includes the cost of printing the book and shipping the book and everything. So you're not making right. $30. bucks. you are maybe making $10, yep. $12 on, on each one. And so it's like I wasn't selling nearly enough of them to recoup my money. And so I had a hard time letting go of what I knew worked because it had served me well for, you know, the better part of a decade. And... You know, I didn't really understand the internet and how to market successfully in the internet at the time. It was all trial and error. And so it's, it, I was forced to change, and that's the beauty of life. Eventually, you're going to hit the wall if you're doing something wrong, and you don't have a choice. So I didn't, I didn't have you know, $10,000, $15,000, $20,000, $50,000 a month available to throw against the wall like I had a few years before to figure this stuff out. And so when you're waiting tables and you're coming home with 150 bucks. that's all you got. You know, I didn't have credit cards or lines of credit or anything like that that I could borrow, which would be stupid to do anyways. And so when you're standing on your legs for eight hours and you make $150, bucks, you are going to be a lot more diligent in how you spend that money versus if, you know, you're bringing in tens of thousands of dollars a month. It's That's why you look at like a company like Facebook. Mm. They've done so well the last few years because of the economy. Or Twitter, for that matter. I mean, Elon fired like 70% of his people. 80, yeah. 80% of his people, and a website works better than it ever has. Yeah. And so 80% of those people weren't doing anything that was productive that made Twitter a success. Right. And he's, you know, a few months away. I mean, last maybe he's, he's there now. He's only a few months away from breaking even. Yep. Whereas they, they were going to go bankrupt within the next year. That's why they were holding his feet to the fire and wanting him to close the deal. Because you know the, the numbers just didn't work. They were they were going to run out of money and and go bankrupt anyways. Right. And um, so, like I said, that I, I was forced to. It wasn't because I was some marketing genius. It's like what worked for me in the past. Because that's why success isn't always the greatest teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the you learn typically you learn more from your failures and what doesn't work than because the success makes you cocky. You're like, ah, eh. It's like I was when I first got into it. I was like, Pff, six months a year, I'm really smart and I'm more successful than most people. I can, you know, I'll be right back where I was making a couple hundred grand a year. Right. And four years later, I'm waiting tables, taking home 150 bucks a night, you know, three nights a week. And then, Every penny that I made, it's going right back into it. I was trying to keep my expenses low. I didn't even want to drive my, I had a BMW X5, and it was kind of out of warranty then. So anytime I had a problem with it, it was automatic two, three grand to fix. No matter what it was, you know, I had the alternator broke. It was like two grand, 2,500 or whatever, you know. And so at the time, I only typically had three or four grand in my bank account. It was like, so you like hit the reset every time something breaks. So I wasn't even driving. I was being frugal with how I ate. I wasn't even hardly dating at all that, at at the time because it was, hey, I'm gonna be out of here in a couple of months, six months. I'll be out of here. Yeah. Four yeah. years later, I'm finally I, I moved moved back to Orlando, but it's like I had to had to strip away everything that I knew from the past because it didn't apply. It didn't apply to this this new business, and um, and then just slowly built on that. And things are always changing, so it's like blogging was really huge around 2010, 2011, 2012, and. You could see the traffic as social media took off. Just the Google searches went down. But the traffic I was getting from YouTube and other platforms started to go up until I started getting shadow banned when Trump went into office. And I didn't think it was that bad at first. It was really in the last year that I really saw how bad the the shadow ban had been and how much it had damaged my business. Yeah. Which really fucking pisses me off. And I I want revenge for that. (laughs) I'm going to get it eventually. People are going to pay. And so... Things have happened because of, you know, I'm not going to go into detail, but, you know, people that I coach, people that I work with has led to people getting pulled in front of Congress and being, I guess, deposed publicly. So mm. when those things happen, I feel pretty good about that. And so I'm, I'm getting my pound of flesh back from these fucking people, these fucking communists. So, yeah. But, you know, it's like you never know who you're talking to. You never know who is listening to you. And I've just over the course of the years I've been doing this, I'm always stunned at some of the people I end up talking to on the phone and uh, who I'm able to help because it's like they're like really high-level people that have huge audiences and have the ability to influence millions and millions of people. And so like when, you know, I go on the Internet and I see somebody that, that is, uh, you know, has a huge following, a huge audience, has a huge impact, and I know them or I know that they know my work and I hear some of the things that come out of their mouth, it's like the ideas get out there. And that's, you know, why this quote's on the back of the book from Thomas Jefferson. And they're on, it's on all my books. And it says, Enlighten the people generally, and tyranny and oppressions of body and mind will vanish like evil spirits at the dawn of day. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you can't outrun karma you know, you reap what you sow in life. Eventually, you know, eventually you do. And so, you know, like with, we, I think we were talking about this earlier yeah. last few weeks about Instagram. I seem to be, once they, you know, instituted the blue check mark program, I, I was able to, um, it appears, I don't want to jinx it, but it appears my shadow ban has gone because now I'm actually able to reach new people again for the first time in like like two years. But TikTok, and, you know, I hope TikTok gets gets canceled and they're gone and cuz they deserve it and all those people are going to go from TikTok to Instagram, Facebook and and the other channels. Right. So but, you know, YouTube I'm still shadow banned there and that happened in uh, March of 2020 when all the lockdowns happened. I think it may, you know, I don't know that I was targeted specifically. I think it's just a a, a site-wide algorithm change that people with a certain view that is against what the majority of the the people that typically lean left that run google and youtube is that my type of viewpoint on the world has has been deboosted, as facebook calls it and other people that lean left or they got a you know a victim card because i've seen people learn my work and and uh, regurgitate it word for word, and never, ever once mention that they learned anything from me. Even though they get called out in the comments and their book reviews, it gets com- you know called out. You know they get boosted up mm-hmm. just because they got a they got a certain victim card. And um, but the at the end of the day, the ideas get out there, and that's the important thing, to right? Because I, I love my country. My family's been you know serving and and bleeding for this country for you know over the last hundred years. And so I don't like the things that are going on, and I take that shit personally. And I'm, I'm doing my part to pass on the republic that we all inherited, even though a large segment of our population has been propagandized to think that it needs to be torn down and the Constitution needs to be dissolved and it's an outdated piece of paper. And even though most of them have never even read the Constitution, they don't even know what the fuck it says. But I'm just here doing my purpose, what I was put on this earth to do. It's good. And so I like it when dudes like you learn my stuff, especially 19. You're 19 still?
0: I'm about to turn 20, yeah.
1: But it's like, and listening to you talk, you sound like a young version of me. And so the important thing is the idea. Right. Because the most dangerous thing in the world is an idea. Yes. And an idea whose time has come and it can't be controlled, can't be stamped out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the thing I love about Elon is like what he's done with Twitter is he's kind of... That's the other thing is, like, my Twitter started growing again, you know, when literally that Friday that Elon closed, my Twitter actually, I started gaining followers. Because I would always gain followers, but a few days later, it'd be back at the same amount. I was like, what the hell? It just never grew. It never went anywhere for, like, the last seven, eight years. That's how long I was shadow banned there. But even still, it's, I don't, he hasn't completely un, unfucked the algorithm, Um so there's still a lot of viewpoint discrimination just built into the code Right. that when you have a certain belief system or viewpoint or a political ideology that you subscribe to, it's like, like I said, that's what I've seen with my YouTube account. It's, yep. it's just, it just doesn't have the reach that it used to. I used to be able to publish a video. I could talk about guns or anything. it would get forty, fifty thousand 50,000 views in a matter of days. And now, especially when I talk about guns and I have John from Connect Consulting on. Right, yeah. it's like those videos barely get 1000 a, a or 2000 views and I got almost half a million subscribers. Yeah. And I've I've talked to my my rep at YouTube about that and you know, she sends me some boilerplate and she's kind of purposely obtuse about it and kind of acts dumb like she doesn't really know what's going on but she probably doesn't. But the point being, I can tell and I know the date when it happened when I was shadow banned on there. And yeah. it pisses me off. It you know, because those things impact me financially to a huge degree, and then you see somebody come along and basically steal my work and give me zero credit for it, and because they're of the right victim class, or they have the right political view, they they artificially get boosted. Whereas if our idea, you know, our ideas or our delivery were able to compete on a level playing field, I would fucking crush them. Right. Because this is stuff they learned from me.
0: Right. Hundred percent. Yeah, I made I made sure to uh, always. Um, let everyone know where I, where I learned your information I was just so proud of like once I learned the stuff and once I read your book um, I tried to share it to everyone like even at school, in person and then a lot of like, the kids my age were like oh but he's old he doesn't know what he's talking about he talks about pages and shit and emailing it's like no dude, it trust me, it fucking works they wouldn't can, believe me how
1: can somebody do anything in business or even run anything and not have email that's just stupid yeah. Because if you're only using a a me an app or texting or WhatsApp, you're on somebody else's platform. And they decide they don't like your views or they don't like what you're writing, you, you, nobody's going to see it. Yeah, and that's the problem. It's like the nice thing about email, at least you have a way to contact those people. And right. if you're going to run a business, it's like you get email verification like TikTok when you you log in that. It's like you they verify your phone number, they send you a text, and then right after that, then you got to verify with your, your email, just to log in every couple of weeks, because they just boot you out. Do you still email
0: chicks, or? Of course.
1: <laughs> no way. Why wouldn't you email? Well, I'm like, you talking about, like, just communicating with yeah. other human beings. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I don't understand why, why people wouldn't want to use that. I mean, you can use it in a messaging app, but it's not your messaging app. If it's your email yeah. and you own the inbox or that particular email address, you can always take that with you wherever you go, mm. and you have a record of all your emails. If WhatsApp, because all that stuff is filtered, their algorithms read all that stuff. If you've got all your chat history and your pictures and everything, say you're your girlfriend or your relationship going back 10 years, and they go, we didn't like your post. Your post went against our community guidelines, so you're banned. Poof. Everything's gone. You've got nothing left. We right. have no way to access it, and there's nobody to call. There's no 800 away. Hey, can you give me my access back? It's like they don't care.
0: I think my guys my age. I've, I don't think I've never emailed a chick. Any of my buddies don't think we've ever. Chunky, have you ever emailed a chick? <laughs> so Corey, Corey, Logan was talking about emailing chicks. Just he's, he's, n- not he was business. business. Yeah, he's talking about business. I'm talking specifically just only about I'm girls. But yeah, <laughs> right That out. might be part of the new game now. Oh, you mean from, like, a dating app perspective? Yeah, I mean, just, like, because a lot of the guys, you know, I was talking to, we we all, guys my age, we're always dealing with girl problems. Like, most guys, even and now it's, like, hyper how many guys are dealing with, like, girl problems now. Like, guys are really struggling. Like, most guys are virgins nowadays. It's it's actually ridiculous. And Yeah, the
1: people, amount of uh, people yeah. that are not having sex is, like,
0: no, the girls are it's having a, sex. It's well, the, the guys. girls are having sex, but yeah. the,
1: the men. When you look at the men, like for back from when I was growing up in the eighties, and you know early nineties from my teenage years, to my early twenties, versus that same age group now, it's like whew, I think it's like seventy percent less guys are having. So you, you literally only a third of the dudes that were the same place I was thirty years ago are getting their dicks wet. Yeah, and the rest of them they got they're totally incels and they're you know watching porn, and they're playing video games. They're just smoking weed all day, which yep. I don't. I, I think it's a it's a, <laughs> a great recreational thing, but if you're using it to escape, that's a, a bad way to go. But they're they're checking out.
0: Right, and so a lot of guys my age is uh, I guess they're once I learned your stuff and I read your book and obviously it fucking worked. Doesn't matter how old you are. Um, yeah, it start working for me. The, 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 the way
1: you communicate may change. Right. But at the end of the day, acting masculine attracts the feminine. Right. And acting feminine, if you're trying to attract feminine, it repels you. It, it The same thing applies in gay relationships and lesbian relationships. Right. You, the stronger the sexual polarity, the more polarized the couple is, the more sexually attracted they are. The more they act the same. That's why when a guy says, oh, we're I'm pursuing her, it's about 50-50 – when I do a phone session, I already know as soon as I hear that, that he got friend-zoned at some yeah. point before he even gets to that point in the story. And I'll say that. I was like, well, when I hear it's 50-50, and you may have heard me say this in videos, the guy always gets friend-zoned at some yeah. point. And they laugh, and they go, well, we're going to get to that. <laughs> and then he keeps telling me the story. I love when
0: the girls like, are like, no, it should be 50-50, oh, but yeah. we all know who the girls are actually talking to. It's not 50-50. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even close yep. to 50-50. That's just the reality. Um, but yeah, so basically, a lot of the guys, they, they were struggling with girls. They'd always come to me asking for advice. And I'd always send them, dude, listen to this guy. Watch this guy. Get his fucking book. And all of them would be like, oh, no, he's old. He doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, whatever. And so that's when, uh, you know, my brother, Nathan, uh, we were both on on the level of reading your books, applying it, getting girls. Um, we never really had a problem with attracting girls. We had a problem mainly with Between just them? yeah being in our masculine, right? and that's that's the biggest thing is and we're never it's sad because none of us here were taught about masculine feminine energy we're taught about a bunch of bullshit in school like and that shit's actually important because really relationships are like where you're gonna either make money more, more money be happier or you're gonna be fucking depressed single unhappy and broke you know and so relationships are something that's a super big deal and it's crazy how we're not taught about that shit in school, and it's like the basic needs for us to re- to reproduce. And obviously, there's more reasons why they don't want us to reproduce. But yeah, yeah. Bill
1: Gates and the rest of the world economic form jerk offs. They want to depopulate, just like the eugenicists. All of them going back, you know, over a hundred years. It's like they look at the lower classes through their nose. They don't want them breeding. They don't want Mentally ill people breeding. You look at Margaret what's her name? Sandra, the one that started Planned Parenthood, she hated black people. She was a racist. She wanted to eliminate the black race of people and that's why they put Planned Parenthood in all the black and, neighborhoods. Because yep. yep. she wanted to abort as many of the black babies as possible. Yep. But yet, yeah, you know, that's all part of the Democratic Party. And you know, Hillary Clinton was very proud. You could see her on video bragging about how oh Margaret Sander, she was one of my idols and people I looked up to. Same thing with uh, Bird, who who the guy. Was, this guy was like the leader of the Ku Klux Klan, you know, in the '40s and the '50s, I think it was. And he was he was in office till he almost like practically died at his desk when he was like in his '90s. And she was like, "Oh, he's one of my mentors, and he's, I really looked up to him." The dude was a racist. He ran the Ku Klux Klan, and he was part of the Democratic Party. But you ask most Democrats, you ask most Black people, they have no idea.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of girls are being dragged into that shit because they tell you, oh, well, it's part of your freedom. It's part of your rights to get an abortion. You should get an abortion. Um, but it's funny because it's only the companies that are pushing abortion. It's actually the companies who want the, the girls who work for them to get abortions because it's much cheaper for the girl to just have an abortion than them to have to pay for while she's pregnant and having a kid. It's much more expensive for a business to pay the girls while they're having a baby it's much easier to just say hey we'll pay for your abortion because that's what they're doing in california if you work for a company they'll pay for the abortion there's a reason why they make more money when you have an abortion they don't care about your rights they don't give a fuck about women's rights they don't care about any of those things They care about
1: productivity and making money money.
0: that's all they give a fuck about and so when you when you when girls are just they're they're just not told that stuff you know and so it is what is and they're just clickbaited into into doing these things and believing these things and the same thing with feminism, it's total clickbait. It's like, oh yeah, more rights, you don't need a man, you don't need any of this, work, make money. All the girls who fall into that trap, they're unhappy, they're depressed, you know, they're single cat ladies. And it's super sad, but, you know, I think that that's just the state we're in, if, is a lot of girls are... And I think the reason is because, you know, a lot of guys nowadays are just weak. You know, if, if those girls had strong father figures or their or those father figures knew better, they would tell them, like, yo, no, that, that feminist shit is, is retarded, you know, stop listening to that. And I think we're just in a time period where there's so many weak men. Girls are not, like, same with social media. You know, the girls are being validated 24-7 for every little thing. Their egos are just out of the roof. Yeah, it's a cultural
1: Marxism. Even the Chinese, the CCP, are having problems with it because their men are becoming too feminized. And so they have a new program they started in the last couple years where they are promoting masculinity because they've got too many of these, like, Soy boy, very effeminate guys with the funky hair and, you know, the tight clothes and they kind of act like chicks basically. And so even the, you know, Xi Jinping and the rest of the, you know, upper echelon of the, basically the mafia elite that, that run China, it's like they see it's weakening their nation. And so they, you know, they have so much control over their, their people that they can have a much bigger influence and on that stuff, but they have the same problem with it that we do. The, you know the, the woke mind virus, as everybody likes to call it.
0: Yeah. And, but, and, they, and they're in control of it. And a lot of people would think <clears> that, oh, well, they're in control of it because communism, it's like, dude, it's the same thing here. They control the media. They can control what we're being taught in schools. They control everything. Um, and so if you're in, they control Disney movies, Hollywood. They control the doctors, what the doctors say, what the doctors think. They pay them. You know, they, they pay them to do all the jabs, all that crazy shit. The you know, cutting off your body parts to change genders. You know, it's it's crazy how all these people are paid and a lot of people look up to these authority figures. Um, but all these people are, are fake. All these people are paid off. All these Hollywood actors are, are super fake. They do whatever for money. And I think it's super sad. Even our teachers, man. Our teachers, It's not they're not teaching things that are actually good and they don't know any better, sadly. You know, I think people are good, but I think at the same time, it's, it's, it's still, like you're in a prison. You were born into a prison and you didn't even it's know. It's literally it. The Matrix. And I like how, it's, it's crazy how the, the Matrix, the movie, I think because Andrew Tate was keeps bringing up The Matrix, like that's his whole branding. But it's totally true. If you watch The Matrix movie, it's literally what we're living in today. And they have full control over all those things. And it's crazy. It's well, absolutely you, nice. If
1: you've ever you ever seen the uh, Yuri Bezminov interview from the 1980s, early 1980s with G. Edward Griffin... So Yuri Bezminov was a, um, he ran uh, the ideological subversion um, propaganda outfit for the Soviet Union. And uh, he defected, I think, in the early 1970s. And, you know, he talked about the indoctrination that, you know, they went in. That's why in the 60s you had all the hippies and stuff. It was all Marxism, basically. It was running rampant because they got all the college professors to believe in communism marxism socialism collectivism that type of thing and it's ever since then it's like you know eventually they you know have since taken over k through 12 education as well and so what he was talking about is um it's called the um ideological subversion so in other words you are ideologically subverting future generations of your enemy. And so instead of, you know, kids now growing up and learning about Americanism and, you know, this is the land of opportunity and you can be anything you want. You can, you can build anything you want. You can build a business. You can, you know, you can make your dreams come true here in the United States. It's when I was growing up, that's what we were taught. But, You know, nowadays it's like the kids are taught, oh, the founding fathers were a bunch of slave owners, and therefore they were racist, and so, you know, by default, therefore the Constitution is racist, and the Declaration is racist, and the Second Amendment is racist, and we need to do do away with all, all that stuff. And when, so that was part of their program. And even though the Soviet Union has since collapsed, it's that ideological subversion propaganda. It's like one of the things he talked about. It's. And because they had this in the Soviet Union, they haven't China anywhere where Marxism is, or North Korea for that matter, where communism is, is taken over, is that it, it's not the outside or even the government that really imposes it. It's the other Americans. You know, It's like cancel culture is part of the result of that. It's like, oh, if you don't agree with this, we cancel you. Oh, you have the wrong opinions, and that's offensive. So now we've got hate speech. Well, free speech is absolute. There isn't no such thing as hate speech. That's a made-up term. I think the first time I heard it was maybe ten years ago, and so they use that to try to manage what people can talk about. And you know, it shows up in viewpoint discrimination. We know that you know all the major tech companies, the majority of the people there, even Zuckerberg, when he was testifying, was like he he knows that the majority of people who work at Facebook lean left. Right. And so if you have people that lean left, which they tend to be author- authoritarian. They don't like the opinions of people on the right, and so they just build it into the code where you get viewpoint discrimination, where your ideas are not able to flourish in the open market. That's why why when you guys or some of the videos I've done, they take off and they go viral on TikTok or um, Instagram or Facebook or, or even YouTube. It's like you're talking about something that that agitates people. It's kind of like the Dr. Phil stuff or the old, old school Jerry Springer where you have somebody you know, a couple on and the guy finds out the kid's not his, it's his next door neighbor, maybe his brother, maybe his dad knocked the girl up or whatever. And it's just something, oh, you know, so anything that is like kind of rage bait or is upsetting or goes against the cultural norm, like the the video that, that we did, it was um, the one that's doing really well now on Instagram. It's just talking about, how you know most guys experience when they call a girl more and they text her more, they notice that her responses become shorter. She takes longer to reply, and ultimately, for most guys, it ends up eventually at some point the girl just doesn't even reply at all. Right. And then you look at the women. Oh, it should be fifty-fifty. It should be. Oh, if a guy doesn't reach out to me, I'm <laughs> gone. Oh, that's only women that have attachment issues. It's the cope <laughs> that's coming from the women in the comments in that video is hilarious. But you have all the guys in there like this happened to me. Yep. And so yep. you got all the women going, oh, this is not true. And you got the overwhelming majority of dudes that are like, this has been my experience. And yep. what Corey is saying is totally accurate. So that particular video has the right amount of agitation right. along with truth that, you know, because the women have their perspective, which they're just, they're kind of regurgitating what they've been told. Most women don't understand how attraction works. Right. But the guys have all had this experience where they met a girl. She seemed to be really into them. She was texting them a lot at first. And over the course of a couple of weeks, it just tends to fizzle out. And the guys don't understand that. And then the women are all, oh, you got to tell her how you feel. You got to let her know. You got to text her tomorrow. You got to call her. Send her flowers. Tell her you love her. Tell her how much she means to you. It's like, okay. they don't care. They only care about how they feel about you.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's crazy how many guys are, are in a state of confusion. Like, I think they want us to be in a state of confusion. And even simply as with girls, it's like, <clears throat> You're taught to not even trust your own actions or experiences. You're being taught to listen to what other people say. For example, like you said, they have their own experiences of getting their hearts broken from girls, doing the 50-50, you know, texting and FaceTiming just as much or even more probably. And then they experience a heartbreak. But then they see all these girls in the comment section saying, no, no, that you just dated the wrong girl. And so the biggest thing, and then these guys get confused, like, yeah, I've experienced this, Corey's saying this, but then these girls are saying this. And I think guys just need to understand is, no, dude, you need like a superpower is just looking at people's actions. Like, and it's...
1: A question you should get used to using when you're, you're on these other shows and podcasts when you're talking to the girls, it's like, tell me about the guys that you date. Yes. Don't tell me what, you just told me it's supposed to be 50-50. Tell me about your boyfriend Oh, that he's you toxic, dated. he's asshole. What was he, what was he like? The guys that you love the most, that you really had the strongest feelings for, what was he like? How often did he text you? Dude,
0: I, I love it. And like- then
1: you get a completely different... Yeah, answer. It's that's about the That's one of the things I learned from you know, Doc Love was you got to ask the right question. Because women will give you the right answer, but um, you got to ask them the right question. And so they'll give you the canned response, which is, you know, to them, culturally, culturally accurate or what they believe. But then when you ask them to tell you about the guy that they actually dated and stayed with or they slept with on their first date or first time they got together or whatever, the dude doesn't do any of that shit. He's not buying him flowers. He's not professing his feelings of anything. He, w- he never really seemed to have that strong feelings for them. And those are the guys they remember the most. They have the most vis- visceral experience
0: with them. You know, it's crazy. So when, I first, so when I first started my YouTube channel, uh, and my whole YouTube channel, my whole podcast is based off your work and what I've learned from you. And when I first started my YouTube channel, the first street interview was, was me. I walked up to this group of like six or seven girls. And I walked up to them and the question was, do you guys prefer simps or pimps, right? And the girls were like, oh, simps, we love simps. Yeah, we love simps. I was like, because you can control them, right? They're like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, hey, what what were you guys' ex-boyfriends like? Yeah, they were dicks, they were assholes. (laughs) And then one of the girls in the background was like, but we love them. Like, we can't, we can't, we can't, like, not stop dating them, right? And So you ask them, you just get two
1: completely contradictory answers to the same question because you asked it. A different way, and they don't. That's what's so cute about women; is they don't pick up on that. Dude, they no. don't see the contradiction
0: yeah. themselves. And uh, it was, it, it's so like it's it's hilarious. And when I see some of the girls on, on your podcast, though, they say the same shit all the time. It's hilarious. And I think I see some viewers, some OG viewers of you, they are like, "Why do you have these girls like saying this stuff?" And I think it's just because you, if you're a longtime viewer of Corey, you're gonna know. Okay, look well, at you the you girls' actions. Yeah,
1: that's the whole point yep. of having them on is you're giving yep. the women's perspective. And they're, you know, that's guys that are smart enough and know it, you see them in the comments, they're like, I see what Corey's doing. Yeah. And it's like they're confirming everything he says in the book. Yeah, and so you he, don't even
0: do anything. Yeah. You don't even say anything. You don't even need to argue or debate with them because if you understand women, you don't argue with them. You just sit there and listen well, let them they say they their Well, sometimes
1: I do thing. blow them up and po- <laughs> point them out when they're, you know, saying something that's stupid or not true.
0: Yeah. 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 That's one thing. When I hopped on that whatever podcast, the one that went viral with me, like, I was not trying to really get in any arguments or debates, but I just so end up happening, I ended up roasting some chicken and it went viral, you know, because she was fat and I called her fat, whatever. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean... Was that the one that was... thought she was a 10, even though she's obese? Yeah, yeah, huge, like a whale.
1: But, I mean, like, in all fairness, a girl like she's that on Instagram... Laid. She's still getting laid. She's still getting laid. Yep. So to
0: her, she is a 10, because yep. guys don't care. The They're ego. so thirsty. It's the ego. Like, any guy who's not close to that level, like, is not getting laid that much. and It's just girls don't understand that shit at all like it's crazy how how these girls even if they're they don't take care of themselves they're still loads of dudes who want to have sex with them and it just shows that men are actually in power guys actually have control cuz if all these dudes actually had standards for themselves all these dudes realized no dude i don't want to i want to have standards for myself i want to date a girl who's like this 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 and i'm going to hold off until i find a girl like this maybe it's a unicorn who cares right but if you have those standards like i think it's going to put girls to be like oh shit i have to actually start working harder i have to start trying harder and that's why i tell guys like yes you you have to walk away from a lot of these chicks and it, you know might not be the chick for you but well, you're gonna show that girl is like damn like she missed out on a good dude because she she wasn't what you wanted and it really sets girls back into their default settings of their ego like oh fuck i just missed out on a really bomb ass dude because i couldn't set my ego aside and it is what it is but yeah maybe the next dude can uh <laughs> yeah most have guys
1: haven't had the experience of rejecting a girl or rejecting a really hot girl yeah and i remember when i when I started experiencing that, and in my early 30s, on a regular basis. It's like the first few times I did it, I was like, "This girl bows for Playboy," and I don't even want to go out with her again. And I don't feel bad about it. Yeah, you know? I mean, I felt weird. It felt unnatural because up until that point, that wasn't the majority uh, of my experience. At that point, but I was just, uh, you know, I didn't like you know, things that were going on in her life, or I was how she was. I was, I, I just. I had choice at that time because I had several different women that I was dating and I was constantly out socializing. So I was constantly meeting new women. And like I said, if most guys have never had that experience of rejecting the hot girl and blowing her off or friend zoning her, which typically makes them want you even more. But, um, that's why it's hard for those dudes. They got no game. And so they get a girl that's prettier than Like even the, the obese girl that you were on the, on the podcast with—it's the, they're they like the fact that the girl is into them, even though body style. It's like because if if a woman neglects herself like that, especially at a young age, she's going to neglect you.
0: Correct. Yeah. Those
1: are the women that have a couple kids and they just get really big and they don't lose any of the baby weight. Mm. And then it's just the wife is just waiting for him to get home so she can just rip into his ass at night and complain about whatever it is. She wants to complain about and he's just hoping maybe once a month he can bust a nut. Maybe every other month yep. he can bust a nut. And you know, it's, go still, to the, it's still
0: the dude's faults though for dating yeah. her. It's still the dude's fault at the end of the day. It's like if it always leads back to the dudes, always why women behave this way. Probably because of her father, probably because she had a bunch of other simps in her life. Or there was no dad in her yeah, life. Yeah, or oh, yeah, or none. She's raised by
1: the streets basically. Yeah.
0: It, and there's one thing I brought up on the whatever podcast is the red pill, they don't talk about daddy issues. And daddy issues, dude, I dated some girls with the craziest daddy issues, and I just was never told this thing. And it was like, you know, you should love all girls, just look at looks, like, and just value whatever. And, you know, I was never very picky um, until I started learning about daddy issues, which I learned from you and, and your stuff. And I was like, holy shit, that's so true. Every single girl I've talked to who've, who I was in a bad relationship with or was just crazy, cheater, whatever, no dad. Bad relationship with the father. The dad was a simp. And it's so true. And I, and that's one thing I, a lot of red pill guys don't talk about. That. So I try to talk about that on the podcast as well. I made sure asked all the girls, "How's the relationship with your father? None, bad, cheated he's on an my asshole. mom. Yeah, he's a narcissist." And I'm like, I just looked at the camera and all the chat. All the you can see the chats like live chats, and it was like W W. Like this is so true. Like obviously she has no dad, and it's like it's crazy. Um, because the only way you can actually change yourself, and the reason why these girls don't change themselves, is because. There's they, they're no not, they're not
1: emotional like, reason to change. They're, in other words, right. they don't... Because we do, people do more to avoid pain than they do to gain pleasure. Right. And for them, they're gaining pleasure. So they're getting positive reinforcement. So yep. why should they change? Yep. If they cheat on one guy and he gets pissed off and he leaves her, there's fucking three more that are begging to spend time with her. She doesn't care.
0: And if she has an Instagram with only 300 followers, there's thousands of dudes. It's, it's absolutely insane. And how many girls? If a girl only has 200 followers, she's getting thousands of DMs. Blue check marks. Verified rappers are in her DMs. Like, it's nuts. And so these girls just have overinflated egos, and it, it mainly because of social media, but also mainly I blame weak men at the end of the day for all those things because it's only weak men who are validating those behaviors. You know, if if all the dudes had our mindset. Dude, girls would not be out there on social media doing these things. You know, but. Well,
1: that's why you get the 3%. I mean, even Jim, Jim Rohn talked about that, who was you know, Tony Robbins' original mentor. And he says, don't be like the 97%. You know, right. It's like the top 3% and everything. It, it's always been those numbers. You know, The simps have always been around. The guys that want to cater and kiss women's ass. They, you know, if you watch It's a Wonderful Life... You know, I reference that movie a lot. There's a a scene in there where uh, I think Jimmy Stewart's walking down the street, and uh, the the pretty blonde who, uh, you know, every guy wants. I don't, don't, you don't see her family or anything, but it's obvious all all the men in town know who she is. They all want to date her. They all want to sleep with her. And so there's a scene where there's these three dudes like, hey, can I, you know, light your cigarette? Hey, baby, can I buy you something? Hey, baby, can I take you somewhere? And, you know, they're just like three simps talking to her trying to get her attention, and she's giving them the attention, and then she sees George Bailey, and she goes, excuse me, fellas, and she just literally ghosts them, if you will, and walks across the street to go talk to George Bailey because George Bailey's like, I'm getting the hell out of this little town. I can't wait, and you know, he's like the most eligible bachelor. He's like the guy that wants nothing to do with dating, relationships, family, or anything because he's leaving. He's always not going to do anything that's going to get him get him tied down, and so she's one of the girls competing for George Bailey's attention, you know, just like Mary, who, you know, Donna Reed's character, ultimately his wife, but, you know, was competing for her. And she'd had a crush on him since they were, you know, little kids. And had always dreamt of, you know, eventually when she grew up, she wanted to be his wife. Meanwhile, you got Violet, who she's always dressed in nines and she's always got nice things. And so she would be today's OnlyFans girl because she's the woman that's like, oh, baby, you know, she's on a date, you know, back then it's like, hey, can I have some money for the powder room? So they go back to the powder room and they, they tip the person in the, the powder room or maybe they're buying things or, or whatever. And, you know, so you have these guys, may, maybe she's sleeping with three rich guys. She's like the mistress to two or three rich dudes. And and that has changed from being kind of a closed hush hush type of thing to now she's on OnlyFans or she's on instagram so it's not like these girls are new girls yep. with daddy issues are new it's just that with social media they can get huge followings and yep. you know we all see them and we see the things they say we see the things that they do yep. we you know we have friends that we know that that date these women and they get mixed up with them the girls got tons of daddy issues and maybe mental health issues or drug problems or whatever and And they came from a, you know, a messed up environment. It's in the past, you know, when I was younger, it's like we knew about those girls. There's certain girls you hook up with, but you don't date them. You always wear a condom (laughs) because you don't want to get the gift that, that keeps on giving. And But, you know, nowadays, it's, they're all over social media. And so they can become famous, in essence. Yeah. It's the violets of, you know, from, like, the movie It's a Wonderful Life. Now we all get to see them on Instagram. And the thing I don't like about the red pill community in a lot of the podcasts is, like, they generalize as if these are, mo- and they use the term modern women. These are modern women. Like, they've always been around. They've always been like this. Yeah. These are the girls that come from the broken homes yep. with the daddy issues. And so if you got more broken families, then you're going to have more girls with daddy issues that are going to have these problems. Yep. But, you know, there's plenty of girls out there in society that come from good families and girls that have a good social circle, that are beautiful, it's like they don't need to be on a dating app. They're constantly getting approached. Yep. You know, like Jade just became recently single in the last few weeks and it's like phones ringing, she's calling out and meeting, meeting guys. Dude. She's always getting hit on, but yep. now she can say yes and it's like she don't need to go on a dating app to, to meet anybody she's she just goes outside and, and dudes come up and hit on her yep so it's like that's you know i'm the, i've never been a fan of online dating and you know people get pissed off oh i met my girlfriend and you can meet good women on there but the reality is if a hot girl is on there there is a problem with her social circle for whatever reason either she's belongs to the streets or maybe she just moved here from another area and she doesn't know anyway. It doesn't yep. mean that all women on dating apps are ratchet, but there's a really high percentage of them that are. And I remember about four years ago, five years ago, when I was living in South Beach, I you know, I was on Bumble and Hinge and some of those other dating apps. And the thing I started noticing was that your a lot of these girls that you match with were you know they're basically hookers because yeah, they match you start talking on text, and then you notice that your match is gone, and then that you know after the match is gone, what you realize is that's when they proposition, hey, uh, you know I'm looking for mentors, guys to invest in my business, and you know i want- I was like, well, what is it you're looking for? Well, I'd like eighteen hundred two thousand dollars a week, you know to spend one night a week with you." And, you know, if you want me to spend more time, obviously there'll be more. We can talk about that. And so this is what they're doing with, they're going on there, they're matching with guys, they're getting phone numbers, and then they're basically unmatching in the profile, and then they tell you what they're really looking for, which is they're basically a sex worker in essence, or an OnlyFans girl. And these girls have always been around, it's just that now they're more prevalent, and to me, I was looking at, you know, you end up wasting your time with these girls. You're sending a bunch of messages, and you're, you're making progress, and then you realize, oh, then she just propositions you with money. I was like, if that's a, if there it's a good woman, she's lived in the area for a long time, her family's well-respected, she's got a big peer group, she's beautiful, she's fit, she's in shape, she ain't going to be in a dating app. She'll need to be. It's yep. constantly, and as soon as she becomes single, her phone's blowing up. People are texting her, sending her messages.
0: Her girlfriends are trying to set her up, another and she's thing, not single for very another long. Another thing as well is, so I put my, I put my girlfriend on, on Tinder and Bumble to go look for lesbians, and so my girlfriend is swiping on girls for like threesomes or foursomes, whatever, and of the amount of times where my girlfriend has matched with the girl, they've been texting, they, they exchange numbers or they exchange Instagrams, my girlfriend texts him on Instagram, deletes her Instagram or un my girlfriend on Snapchat. And then a week later, adds her back. Be like, my boyfriend is searching through my phone. I had to un you. I had to block you so my boyfriend couldn't see. But I'm still down to hook up with you and your boyfriend. The amount of girls who have boyfriends on these dating apps is absolutely insane. Like, uh, e- easily over 60% have a, a boyfriend. And it, the amount of effort a girl will go through to, like, cheat on her boyfriend... Is is crazy as well. So and if girls want to cheat, they will. Yeah. Character's 100%. destiny.
1: And yeah. That's that's who she is. And your goal, your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to figure out as quickly as,
0: as possible, possible yeah. what you're
1: dealing with. Yep. But that's a, a key tell. If she got no father, hates her dad, he's a narcissist, has no relationship, never had a, a good stepdad or a grandfather or an uncle that stepped into that role, it's and every time I talk about this I you know, get a lot of women that are in that situation, ah, hey, we're not all like this. Not all strippers are bad, or, you know, whatever it happens to be, which is true, not all of them are horrible, but the majority of them, maybe 97, 98% of them or, you know, like I said, back in my day, these were just the girls that you knew were sleeping with everybody. Like I there was a girl in my my class who was a cheerleader, she's beautiful. And um, one of my friends dated her and hooked up with her and he was thinking i'm gonna date her and but one of our mutual friends was like hey she was just fucking so-and-so last week and then two hours before she fucked that guy she was fucking another guy who was also on the football team and you know her parents had had split up and and uh and like she slept with a lot of dudes man she slept with you know a lot of guys in the football team we all knew that And we actually we learned that and especially learned that, you know, after we we graduated, we you know, we just that's everybody that dated her or hooked up with her never considered her girlfriend material because she was sleeping with half half her class. But it was fun to hook up and to get laid and, and to bust a nut when you're in high school. And she was hot. She was a cheerleader. And now she's obese. She's, I think, on her second marriage, maybe. I think she's second marriage. She's had kids. She's still a cool chick. I'm friends with her. I like her. But she's obese. And she just totally let let herself go. Yeah. And the guy she's married to is, he's a pussy. He's yeah. like a push, pushover. That's, and
0: that's the only guy she's going to date. Because any guy who understands this shit or even knows that history is like, eh, I'm good. Like, I know. Any guy who understands, like, yeah, look at her relationship with her father, understand, like, the history. Because obviously the history is going to tell you the future and things like that. Current events form future
1: trends, as Gerald Salenti says.
0: Yep. And uh, yeah, I always uh, That was one thing I mentioned on the podcast as well. Is like if I'm looking, these girls are trying to tell me that they're high quality chicks, and all these girls were basically OnlyFans chicks for sure. And they're all telling me, "Oh no, I'm a high quality dude." If if I, if I came to a girl, if I came to a guy who had no idea I'm on OnlyFans, I'm like, dude, look at your Instagram. It has a link in bio to your OnlyFans. Not only that, even if you don't have the link in bio to your OnlyFans. I could just look at a girl's Instagram. I could tell, okay, yeah, she's she knows a lot of dudes, right? Because, dude, girls on Instagram—they're not—they're not good. Girls are not going to be on Instagram posting a bunch of pictures of themselves, right? And girls love to use that excuse. Oh, they of,
1: will, but it's very modest. They may yeah. post a few times a year. If they have a, a boyfriend, they'll post something and say sweet something sweet about them. But it's like they very very rarely post. Yeah, and... I'm and, and, not and, trying to get the attention.
0: Yeah, most girls are not using Instagram either for, like, business or anything. It's mostly just for attention and validation, mostly from dudes. Because if they wanted attention and validation from their girlfriends, which is what they usually say is, oh, I use Instagram so I, have my, I can be connected with my girlfriends so they can see my posts, like, then you would just send the picture to them one-on-one, right? Why are you sharing it to the whole world? There's got to be a reason why. And usually the reason why is because they, they're trying to seek attention and validation from men. And you ask those girls... Hey, what's relationship with your father? You, uh, that giveaway right there as well. <laughs> yeah, it's like, dude. Obviously, these there's a reason why all these girls are on these dating apps and on social media. And yeah, I'm like super aware of all these things, and it's it's super important to look at these things. And it's it's crazy how many guys don't understand like these subtle things. It's not even subtle, but it's like, dude, these guys are totally brainwashed by just how hot the girl is. It's like, dude, you you guys are retarded. I think once you get past a certain point of you know, getting with enough girls, you you stop caring about sex. You stop caring about how hot the girl is. You purely just care about: is this girl gonna be an asset easy to me? Easy
1: going, easy to be around. Yeah, is
0: she gonna help Does she me communicate
1: well? Yeah, is she
0: gonna make my life easier? Is she gonna be at my house cooking, cleaning? You know, taking care of that stuff. Is she gonna be, you know, adding that very nice, peaceful, feminine energy? Or is she gonna add like some crazy? You know crazy, crazy stuff to your life, you know, and it's crazy how many guys don't value that stuff, and it's mainly because they just have lack of sex, lack of options, and like you said, it's like, when you, when you, um, dump that, that super hot model, I guarantee there's a bunch of simps who'd be like, what, Corey's crazy, I can't believe he dumped this chick, she's so hot, it's like, dude, they lack options, there's, and it's sad because a lot of guys I see nowadays, they're lacking, like, guys at their level like me and me and my brother nathan like it was only us two who at that level and we'd notice every other guy when we were dumping chicks who were super hot every single dude be like oh you guys are dumb you guys are retarded for dumping that chick you know you made such a big mistake you guys are gonna regret it like dude these guys have no idea and it was only me and nathan who were on that same level of understanding these things mainly because we read your book and it's crazy how much power comes to it when you realize that you know none of that none of that stuff really matters matters except for the character of the girl and who she is you know